Hey, hey, what's happening? Welcome to the first full-length edition of the L Street Journal podcast. We're taking you through the latest rants and raves, reviews and lists across tech, media, business, parenting, anything in between that we decide to talk about. You can find it right here, the video version on YouTube or audio format, anywhere podcasts can be found, Apple, Spotify, etc. So today we got a great show for you. We, the L Street Journal, are going to rank the top five people of the year because we're going to give you an honest portrayal of who those people were. America goes on a job interview. After that, we're going to talk about day and date movie delivery because the movie business has uh, really changed during this coronavirus and I think it's going to change for the good. And then we're going to talk a little bit about why parenting, uh, it's more like running a marathon. So with that out of the way, let's... Time Magazine decided to name Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as the person of the year. I mean, come on, guys. Like, let's be real here. Um, you've all gone on job interviews. Maybe you've done a, a crazy tech interview where you're doing brain teasers and puzzles and all sorts of hard things. And maybe it could be six months, some of these companies like Netflix, and they have hard interviews. This process is tough. You get through that interview process, you get the job offer, and then you know what? Boom, you're employee of the month. Come on. It doesn't work that way. Great. Congrats. You ran your campaign. You're now the president. You've got some stuff to do. But in the year of 2020, where we have so much just devastation to everyday people, we're, we're going to give it to Joe Biden. I mean, come on, guys. Your bias is clearly showing. I just want a place I can go and get real news. That's just honest. Here's what's happening this year. And if I could recommend something for everybody listening to this podcast, please check out the flip side. It's one of the only places I've found. I'll put the link in the description. They show uh, on one side, here's what Republicans are saying about this topic. Here's what Democrats, they have a, a libertarian section. And it gives you a perspective on what other people are thinking. And it, it broadens your perspective and lets you know that here's a news topic and there's different viewpoints. It's not always one viewpoint. Like if you only watch one news channel, you are in a bubble. Newsflash, I didn't know if you know that, but you can say that about one side, but you're doing it too. So please, this year, go outside of your bubble, expand your horizons, find new perspectives, check out the flip side. It's one of the only places I've found a great resource. And with that said, now let's go through who we think the actual top five people of the year would be. So Jamie, uh, let's throw that up. I don't have a Jamie, but let's, let's throw that up here. So number one, we're talking doctors and nurses. They are on the front lines going to battle against the coronavirus for us. We can stay home, work from home, do our Zooming, all those types of things, and they're battling on the front lines. And how are they not people of the year? They're exposed to the most. They weren't they, they didn't have PPE at the beginning, and it was this, I read this article, literally it was like narcos, where they're going to these underground, like, deals and flying stuff in just to get masks to protect themselves. And if I had to call out my favorite piece of art from this year, it's the Banksy painting, where he is showing a little kid playing with a nurse flying up, and the, and the superheroes are cast aside, because that was this year. Doctors and nurses absolutely deserving of the number one spot. Now, what else do we have here? Two, how about grocery workers? They didn't sign up for this. They're out there every day risking their lives, 
for their job so we can get groceries, so we can survive. They're uh, on the front lines, in my opinion. How about we put a bunch of grocery workers on the cover of Time Magazine? That'd be awesome. I think they deserve it. How about delivery people? All you people who are ordering Grubhub, Postmates, DoorDash, just one IPO, you know, their employees making all this money. What about the people who are delivering stuff to my doorstep? Thank you very much. I appreciate you. So I don't have to go outside. I can stay inside and Zoom. Very much appreciated. You deserve to be the person of the year. Thank you very much, delivery people. All right, now, okay, let's, let's even expand it a little bit more. How about we talk about the scientists who invented this new vaccine that's rolling out as of this recording from Pfizer and Moderna. These people, a husband and wife team, they put all of their efforts aside, they left their vacation and, and put their entire company towards this to create an mRNA vaccine. This is huge, this mRNA vaccine, and I'm not a scientist here, but I can definitely tell you that this mRNA technology has been around for a, a good while, and it's this new way to deliver vaccines to people. We're not giving you uh, dead versions of the virus or non-functioning versions. This is just tricking your body into thinking that it's actually that virus. And then so your body creates antibodies and protection from it. And we've never been able to get over the regulatory hurdles to launch this. And they did it. They did it in record time. Project Lightspeed was what it was called. Gotta give them credit because they, they, you know, lived up to that Lightspeed name, that's for sure. I think let's call them person of the year. It's two people. The last one. How about let's go with AlphaFold from DeepMind. They're the same people that made AlphaGo, the AI that was crushing people in Go. They created what probably will be the most game-changing technology that has come out in 2020. And I think there's a bunch of reasons why Time Magazine should have even put this on there because it fits their things that they want to be putting uh, on the cover. So I would absolutely recommend another recommendation here. Check out the All In podcast. The token scientist of the team of the podcast, David Friedberg, he gives this definition of what this game-changing technology is and how we can make proteins. But just to summarize that a little bit, it, you know, we can read DNA, we know what these things are in your cells, and then proteins are created out of that to do things, you know, in your body, and we don't know how those things fold. And those proteins, we can use AI to just read DNA real quick and know exactly how it's going to fold to go and do something. So they tested on the coronavirus and just blew the doors off any other, any other system. We're going to be able to create things that can bind to a cancer cell instantly, create kelp that is engineered in a way to pull carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. If you care about climate change, like Time Magazine does, their last person of the year was a child who was protesting against climate change, and they're not going to name this as invention or people of the year who created this thing. They've described this as the ARPANET, which is essentially like the precursor to the internet. So this could be as big as the internet, where we're able to just instantly read DNA, know what we can do to create a protein, to go out and do that thing. The, the drugs we can create, vaccines, game-changing climate solutions. I mean, this is unreal. All of those would be more interesting than what Time Magazine named. Next. Let's do a little recap of 2020 and, and just kind of internalize it and think about it. There's going to be a lot of these, you know, 2020 recap themes in this episode. And for this one, uh, there's obviously the toilet paper hoarding and being inside and doing a lot of FaceTime and washing your hands and masks and tons of things that were different about the world. But I think in this one in particular, thinking about it from an American perspective, it was just a tough year to be an American. I'm someone who 
loves his country, loves all the different people and the things that the opportunities that it creates for individuals to come here and, and build a business and take care of their family and, and the entrepreneurship that's here, the products we create, things we've made for the world, Apple, Tesla, Ford, Disney, some of these, some of these companies that have created this, such innovation and bring such joy to people from all over the world that comes from this American entrepreneurial kind of break the rules mentality where we're not going to do the status quo. We're going to work hard and we're going to create things. And, and that's America. That's the America that I love. And seeing the global coronavirus you know, tally this year where America is just topping the charts when we, we should be nailing this with our science community and we were just caught flat-footed. We weren't ready for this type of epidemic Bill Gates tried to tell us. But now, you know, now we know and hopefully we can be more prepared. But I really feel like this was America going into a job interview essentially and they're asking you what you know, what, what are your greatest strengths and what, what are your greatest weaknesses? And kind of saying, well, you know, my greatest weaknesses are really my greatest strengths. Because the things I talked about that make us so great as a country, we enable freedom, let people to come here and, and start a business and create a life for their family. We have state individuality where each state can create their own laws and regulations and it can be the community that you like, the state that you like. There is the federal government creating rules and, and things like that, that that sit at the top, but we do have such individuality in states and never before have I ever needed to know who my governor was and who the mayor of my city was and now I know and definitely I'm going to be more involved uh, in that type of stuff because that makes a difference. You know, we That's what's cool about America. We have these states enabling people to kind of break the rules and that's America you know I have my freedom I have my rights and most Americans have never really been told they can't do something that they want to do before like you have to stay in your house you can't go outside you need to wear a mask and like these are just things that Americans are not used to doing it's different we have this freedom here and that's a strength but that became our biggest weakness this year and so I think that there's a lot we're gonna learn from it in terms of being more prepared for PPE and it just highlighted that we do have a great country here and we need to appreciate it. I think, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about this year for me is I went to uh, an extension program where I was the only American surrounded by 30 plus people internationally, every one of my, every one of my courses. And it was the most beautiful thing. We were just hanging out, just joking about different things, talking about this culture and that, just like having a good time talking about the differences we all have, but just this shared community. And w when I think about that, it was just, all these different countries are so happy. These people were so happy to be here, to have this freedom and this ability to create and, and build a life for themselves. And they're so happy to be here. And I think sometimes we don't appreciate as Americans, like you don't know what it's got to you till, till it's gone. The same thing when they took away us being able to do what we want, see a concert, go to the restaurant. You know, you didn't know that freedom till it was taken away from you. And I, I think we need to at least just take a step back and come together uh, as, as a country and think this is a great place we have. It's not the best for everyone. We got to work on it. But I think it's it's so beautiful when you take a step back and talk to people from other countries, even though we got slapped in the face of this corona thing, people want to come here. They want to be here for these opportunities to build a life for themselves and their families. And, and I'm still, you know, hopeful for America where we're going. Got a lot of great things going on and it's just going to continue to improve. And I think that's what it's about. It's about improving improving 
and everyone get involved at the local and state level of your governments like sure the president you know a lot of stuff people focus on that but there's so much you can do at the local level to impact your community to impact your state and that's never been more clear this year that there's so much individuality at the state that's impacting where you are where you live and those things can really make a difference so i think that's something to really take away from from this year and uh, yeah that brings us to day and date movie delivery now, this has been something that has been talked about for a long time in terms of can the ecosystem change? You have movie theaters basically just boycotting any movie that wants to release a movie online that's earlier than their three-month window. You know, they're just holding on to these traditional business models. And coronavirus just blew the doors off of everything that was going on in, in that world because HBO Max announced that they're dropping their entire lineup next year. This includes some big, big films. And Chris Nolan came out and basically said that it's dangerous for theater, you know, really calling them out. And at the same time, there's also an article about him who says that he doesn't really use email or a smartphone. So I call that out because he's a genius filmmaker. He's one of my favorites, but he's not tuned in to what people want. You know, he's not using a smartphone, he's not using email. He's not the average person who's gonna watch his movies, actually. So it's great to be a creative and make things, but at the same time, you kinda gotta appreciate who the people you're making them for and at least take a step back. I think that's the biggest difference between the tech industry and the movie industry. I've worked in the tech industry creating apps and I've worked in the movie industry on the ground as a cinematographer, writing scripts. I understand how these, these world works. And, and when you're in the tech industry, Everything they're building, they say, as a user, I want this. As a user, I want to do this. They break the entire product down, every little step. As a user, I want to do this. As a user, I want to do that. And when they're doing that, they're thinking about the person they're creating the product for. And then they're saying, okay, what do they want, right? And when you're creating a movie, it's the character, the story, what is it communicating, all these things, which is very important. You want to tell your story. You want these characters to give people a feeling. But at the same time, you need to think about who are those people? Are they going to consume it? Like, who's your audience you want to reach? Do they want a long movie that takes an hour to get into uh, the deep storyline? You know, do I just want to show artsy pictures at the beginning because that's what I want or that's what the characters would want? Am I making this for parents? Is this a kid's movie? Because they probably want day and day movie delivery because they, they can't go to the theater because they got a kid crying at them, but they love to see the movie. And so the movie industry, Chris Nolan, is sitting here saying that this is dangerous. You can't have day and day movie delivery. Well, let me be clear. I just downloaded Tenet and I got the same exact experience on my 75-inch TV that I would have gotten in the theater. And I love the details of IMAX. Did you know that they have pure blacks in the in the pictures, meaning that it shows an actual black, meaning it's more like real life. And other theaters just show a projection like most TVs where it's this shade of gray. I appreciate that stuff, but at the same time, I can't go to the theater right now, we're in the coronavirus. So I loved seeing Tenet on VOD. Well, let's just be clear, I have some issues with Tenet, you know. Chris Nolan, this wasn't exactly the year to be uh, making fun of the, the industry. It's kind of like when Scorsese was going after Marvel movies and then he dropped the uh, long stinker Irishman that was so slow nobody could even watch it except for reviewers. And Chris Nolan comes out with Tenet. This is him thinking about the story. That's the only thing he's thinking about. It's confusing. I had to pause it, 
rewind it? I have to put subtitles on to even understand this movie? I mean, it's awesome. He's one of my favorites. But seriously, think about who your viewer is and what they want. Maybe they want day and date delivery. That's what they want to see. It's not about what you want. Think about who you're making it for and how they want to consume it. And yeah, you can make your creative decisions like, look, I know better than the audience. Like if I asked people what they wanted, they'd tell me I want a faster horse. You know, there's the Steve Jobs line, right? But at the same time, you have to appreciate where things are going and, and where people want to see things. So you can't hold on to this forever. And it's a great experience to watch movies on a TV. You go to Costco, you can get some great deals on a huge flat screen TV. You're experiencing almost the full effect and the average person is not gonna tell the difference. There's this other thing that's going on where Tom Cruise is doing this public service announcement where he's asking people to turn off motion smoothing. This is on your TV. So he wants people to log into their TV, turn off a setting because it doesn't make it feel enough like film. So this is like for, for uh, Mission Impossible, some of these films. Just let me be clear, 80% of people, 90% of people are not worried about that. You know, that, the 10% of people you're talking to, those are the super, those are the filmmakers, the people that really appreciate it. And great, it's, it's awesome for them to do that. But you have to understand most people, they just want to consume the content. They want to be entertained. It looks great on their TV. HBO Max, he came out and, and made a comment sticking to his guns that, you know, he wants to come out with, with day and date delivery. They're going to release it and that it makes sense. He said, this is beyond media. We're in a moment of accelerated change. Our response is to take a deep breath, be thoughtful about our partners, be thoughtful about our fans, most importantly, and to be thoughtful about the business that we need to responsibly run. And to do all those things by leaning into the future as opposed to being afraid to do so. This is just about leaning into the way people want to consume media. They want to consume it day and date. Give people the option. It's perfect. If you want to go to the theater, you, you're passionate about the big screen, the visuals, do that. If you have a kid, you have some other crazy situation, you just don't want to leave your house, there's not a theater that close to you, you can do that day and date. This is a great solution for people, giving consumers choice, thinking about what the user, the viewer, wants to consume. This is a great change. One of those things where coronavirus is forcing these changes uh, on the world that we've kind of thought about trying and there's been some pushback, but we haven't had that moment where we need to do it. And, and I feel like that's also happening right now with, with the work-life balance of being able to work from home. We Obviously, people have said, sure, you can work from home. Slack's awesome. Zoom's awesome. But now we're finally able to do that. And it's forced that on America, traditionally, this work hard culture. I think we're finally getting that forced work-life balance to even things out a little bit. And I think in terms of giving people who are parents, people who have these special circumstances or just have a lot going on in their life or wanna be around for their life as much as their job, they can have more of a balance instead of commuting and having this five and two breakdown of five days on, two days off, and when you're commuting in a city like Los Angeles, those five days you barely even get to live, so it's like you live two days a week, having something that's more interesting, like three days in the office, two days off, and then two days remote. That could be really game-changing for a lot of people, and it's very similar to day and date in that that just blew the doors off. Coronavirus is this very negative situation, but it's unearthed some amazing new things like the mRNA technology that we're testing with, day and date movie delivery, finally, this work-life balance for people. And I think that's the biggest thing because, you know, our culture, we don't have this in America, this culture of 
of paternity leave where it's you know accepted and and really uh, a normal thing for men to do and i just have to say like this brings us to the parenting section as of october 6 2020 we can officially add a parenting category to the l street journal now uh what was having a kid during the coronavirus years like um you know, to going from, all right, my wife is pregnant, here comes this global deadly virus coming, let's hide in the house, to, all right, seems like we might get through this, to, all right, we need to be serious and stay inside, at least, to get through it. My wife having to give birth in a mask, okay, it was not fun. And then not being able to leave the hospital for a week because my wife had a C-section. Let's just recap the whole situation and say that uh, if I have two things that that i that i want to categorize you know and think about 2020 first one is we need to normalize uh paternity leave because seriously when you see what happens to a woman's body how much they go through these the labor they go through oh my gosh this is just the tremendous amount of pain and effort that goes through to just pumping this baby out and then after that i mean these kids are larvas they're not really kids they're on these hour-long cycles two hours where you have to feed them put them back to bed change their diaper and they're back up again this is not during the day this is all night just a little cycle they don't care if it's day or night they're a larva uh, and this is the most difficult hardest thing you could ever do and what we need is men to be there with women to do this together it's a team effort and anybody who's doing this solo wow you are a superhero but you know this you need to be home and helping because this it's absolutely crazy the level of effort and i know the level of kids are harder for some easier for some i mean you might end up with a colicky uh, witching hour kid like i did in the first six uh, six weeks of uh parenting is absolutely the hardest thing you could possibly do i mean it literally is someone told me when i was like yeah i'm gonna have a kid it's gonna be really hard and i was like oh you know well, yeah i've done a lot of hard stuff but it is the hardest thing you can do that brings me to number two out of this recap of parenting we need to start saying i'm proud of you when someone says they're having a kid as part of it you, know, you could say congrats because it, it's hard to have a kid and you're excited for people but it's about setting expectations for people because going through this we were it was a pandemic it was crazy all this stuff but it's like congrats so exciting let's do my ig posts all the stuff let's look let's let's be so pumped and everything and then you do your baby shower and all this excitement and yay 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 you're gonna have this beautiful wonderful life and then it you get hit with not sleeping for weeks and the hardest thing you've ever done and it's like you know you it's just so tough and if you set expectations a little bit better like if someone told me they're running a marathon i wouldn't say congrats let me buy you some presents like so exciting no i'd be like look i'm so proud of you that's that's going to be big you know con congrats as well you know for signing up committing to that congrats for committing to that maybe you know if you want to say congrats say that but really, it's I'm proud of you because it's a commitment and it's gargantuan task. I mean, that, that anybody is up against and especially if, you, if your baby's got colic, which is one in five babies. I mean, it's not it's not a random thing. And that is really, really tough. You have a larva you're taking care of. So if anything, we need men to have more time off work to be able to be there and help women when with the kid. It's not all on women and that's part of the problem. And let's just tell people, that you're proud of them for the commitment. That that does it for the parenting category. 
for this time. Coming up soon, we're going to be doing reviews. We're going to be talking about tips and tricks, what works, what doesn't. This product's awesome. Check this out. I'll even bring in the little guy, give him a little appearance. You know, we'll uh, we'll have some fun with it going forward in the LSJ. Let's let's get to kind of why I started you know, the L Street Journal podcast. I don't even know how long ago it was, probably 15 or so years ago. I was in a class, it was a writing class, and we were supposed to, uh, standard writing class, but we had to blog instead. So I started blogging, you know, under the L Street Journal, it was about finance and these types of things. Then I, then I just kept doing it, sending it out to my friends, articles, recaps, you know, thoughts and insights on these categories. Then I did it professionally uh, at a media company for the, the entire group where I was sending out articles every morning at exactly 9 a.m., pushing the button, sending it out to folks, and. I think I've continued to do that. I've shared it on Twitter, shared it on here, shared it on there. And uh, it's just one of those things where it's kind of built and built and built and podcasting and and sharing um, thoughts via video has really kind of taken off. And it felt like a good next step for this evolution. And uh, really just recently been inspired by people like obviously the Joe Rogan podcast. He's been able to bring on such different people from different walks of life and have a place of communication and shared ground. Obviously, you disagree, but we really need more of that. And uh, I really love uh, the Roger Deakins podcast where he's just giving you the insights of like filmmaking that you may not have gotten from American Cinematographer or these other things. I mean, then there's people like the Kyle Kalinske show who are just on YouTube giving you insights, giving you info, the needle drop from Anthony Fantano, giving you reviews and all these things that it's just such a good, authentic place to get content. And so I just felt like taking the Elf Street Journal to uh, to this place and bringing it to you guys is is the good next step. So I hope you all enjoy the podcast. We'll be coming out with a lot more stuff soon. We'll be doing custom rankings, you know, like we did with the top 10 movies, top 10, top 10 music of the year. And, uh, and so we'll hope you'll be doing a lot more of that. So that's it. That's it. That's the L Street Journal episode one. I'm out.